This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fulhamish is brought to you by NordVPN, a way of accessing sports matches, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. For instance, if you want to follow the Ashes or the Formula One this summer whilst you're on holiday using your existing subscriptions, you can do that just by flicking back your location to the UK. Or if you find a channel overseas that shows the sports matches you want at a much cheaper price, you can flick your location over to there and get around the geo blocks that are in place. NordVPN is roughly the same price as a cup of coffee a month and you can very easily make your money back with the savings you'll find on subscriptions, flights and so many other things. Right now, you can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the inaugural Fulhamish Transfer Show. We are going to be podcasting weekly until the end of the summer transfer window, looking at all of the rumours to do with players coming into and out of Fulham FC. And each week I'll be joined by a stellar cast of transfer insiders. First of all, Joe Sansom, Hello. Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Most weeks we have Jack Kelly, but standing in for him today because he's still on holiday. Jack Collins, hello. One Jack for another. Too short of a winning hand still. Very, very good. And uh, a man that does it for a living, but also a Fulham fan at the same time. Transfer Insider, Dean Jones. Hello. Hello, mate. Yeah, long time since I've been on this podcast, but very, very happy to be back. Great to have you, mate. And um, really excited to get into all the Fulham silly season nonsense. I mean, Joe, it's been a bit of a kind of slow start as ever to transfer window activity. But as Fulham fans, we're fairly used to not getting too much done early in the window. I mean, the window's only just opened as well. It's been open for just under a week, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, exactly. And you can see with other clubs as well, not much has happened at all. Uh, hasn't stopped my Twitter screen time from going through the roof, as it <laughs> always does at this time of year. And uh, I think that's just <laughs> my own personal issue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, really slow. We were saying off camera that it was slow last year as well. Um, and it took a while to get going. And that was when we had promotion sealed early doors um we knew that we were preparing for the the summer i think the reason it's been slow this time around is and i'm sure we'll come on to talk about it there's a fair bit of uncertainty in terms of firstly the manager also some potential outgoings and for that reason i think it's almost quite difficult to start planning especially when a fair chunk of the squad and the manager will be on holiday right now um so for that reason i'm hoping that everything would start kicking on in the next couple of weeks but as of now there's not too much to concrete to report. 
No, there isn't. Uh, I mean, let's uh, focus uh, really, first of all, on outgoings, which is the slightly less fun side of talking about transfers, really. It's always super fun. We're like, oh, we're linked with this player. We're linked with that player. Uh, who, who are we going to, to bring in? But a lot of the focus really has been on uh, players that might leave uh, Fulham this summer um, and, and the one player that is hot on everyone's lips everyone wants to know what is happening what's not happening does he have a release clause is uh, Zhao Polinia um, I mean Jack uh, there was an entertaining episode uh, a couple of Saturdays ago where mm. TalkSport uh, said that Zhao Polinia had a release clause uh, in his contract which then Tony Khan uh, <laughs> smashed back uh, by saying there is no release clause, full stop in a, in a quote tweet just to uh, to kill the rumour. Um, but yeah, there, there's lots of chatter about Zhao and, and rightly so because there is a, uh, there is a domino effect, sorry, in the defensive midfield market. Yeah, I mean, look, it's always going to be there. Um, and, and Fulham have been smart with, with Raul Palinia in terms of bringing in that, that long contract with five years that can become six. And, you know, you look at that, that and, and how Fulham have, have dealt with that, it means that we're in a really strong bargaining position. And it means that unless Polina comes out and says, no, I want to leave, you're kind of stuck with a, a you know, you're in a situation where you could be like, all right, we can demand whatever fee we want for Drapolino. You can put that on the table. And if someone does come in and inquire, then you can say, well, this is what he's worth to us. And, and therefore that's what we need for it, this to be even in the consideration of a ballpark. So it's, it's a bit of a strange one. Obviously there's going to be interest. You, you don't have seasons like Polina's just had. And with the kind of added class that he's already played in the Champions League, he's already won the Primeira with, with Sporting. And then you look at all of those kind of elements of it and, and I'm not surprised whatsoever. Let's put it that way. It would be weird if there wasn't interest in Joao Polina. That it, like naturally with the way that things have gone. That would be that would be bizarre. So there's that, but also it's important to remember as all these rumors start flying around that Fulham are in the driving seat in these negotiations. They can look at who's coming in for him and think if those people are direct rivals next season, then we can just not try and strengthen direct rivals. Equally, you know, sensible business does mean, and you know, we're all so quick to praise the the Brighton model, etc. Sensible business does mean bringing in players and then letting them go when the right fee comes in and being able to replace them. The question is, have Fulham got the nous to replace them? And, and that's a trickier question to balance. Yeah. Um, Dean, what have you heard so far on on Polina and the uh, the interest? It mostly seems to be from from West Ham, but there are plenty of other clubs in the Premier League who, who would like Xiao Polina. Yeah, I mean, the release clause thing has been interesting because there's been a rumour um, kind of within the industry, really, that this release clause did exist. Um, now, I'd left it well alone because I couldn't um, stand it up. But it's been touted for a little while that he's got a 40 million release clause. Um, so I presume that that's where this story came. I presume that uh, people had heard the same thing and have gone with it. Um, and I'm obviously delighted to see Tony Khan knock it back not just because I'm a Fulham fan and don't want him to leave but also because as a journalist I hopefully haven't missed a story that I could have had myself <laughs> um but yeah so I think that that's probably what this comes from I, I don't really see why there would be a 40 million release clause uh for Palina um I think did he join for just under 20 I think yeah. um which on, honestly is an unbelievable deal to to pull off in the first place um that that is proper bargain but 
to only stick in 40 million would be a bit short-sighted, especially if a player that's on such a long-term contract and you know how high his ceiling is. So hopefully uh, Tony Khan is absolutely being legit here and that there's no release clause. Now, if West Ham were to come seriously knocking here, then they're basically going to have to break their transfer record to sign him. Um, Palinia, if he hasn't got, let's say, if he hasn't got a release clause, I think we're talking like towards 60 million pound there for, for Palinia in terms of this market that you're looking at. I think that their highest signing was Sebastian Allaire. Jack Collins might know if I'm wrong on that. He's, yeah, he's right. uh, but they obviously went, they went quite big over the last couple of years and went like uh, Lucas Paqueta and, and Seb Allaire. Um Don't think either of them went over 50 million pound though. So, um, West Ham going to make Palinia their, their record signing of all time. I'm not saying he's not worthy, he probably is, but typically wouldn't expect it to happen. Now, obviously, they got the Declan Rice co- money coming at some point, so they're going to sign at least two central midfielders and maybe that changes the game a bit. But also, you've got to look at it from a personal motivation standpoint. Why Palinia uh, go to West Ham? Not only go, why would he go to West Ham, why would he push for a move to West Ham? Because that's what's going to have to happen here because Fulham are going to obviously knock back offers. Now, there's no obvious personal connection for him that I can think of at West Ham. Um, there's no guarantee. It's a step up in level. I know that they are um, European champions of sorts right now, but um, I'm not sure that uh, you can take that for having too much standing towards next season and where it might lead them. Might earn a little bit more money week to week. Yep, fine. That's understandable. Um, but how significant would this move really be to him personally I think really it all comes down to Marco Silva like if Marco Silva was to actually leave Fulham then I could see that Palinia would leave Fulham while Marco Silva's at Fulham I'm not sure I can see it now one one reason I can see maybe the West Ham interest to come about Marco Silva was linked with the West Ham manager's job not that long ago when David Moyes future was in pretty serious doubt since then, though, Moyes has, has won the Conference League. He's staying for the foreseeable future. So hopefully that ends any speculation over Marco Silva going there. Um, it was reported like the start of May that Marco Silva's got a £6 million release clause. So, of course, if that's the case, then could be triggered elsewhere. I don't see any obvious spots really for him to, to go, though. Um, and as I say, if, if Marco Silva's still there, then that connection with Palinia hope is enough to keep him there. Like, I don't feel like Polini is desperate to get out of Fulham and I don't see why we would sell. There's an interesting kind of double point as well on the the thing that Dean mentioned about when the Declan Rice money comes in. But, I mean, obviously it was on a, a higher scale, but do you remember when Barcelona sold Neymar to PSG and they got the 212 <laughs> million euros? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Borussia Dortmund held them hostage on the fee for Usman Dembele. Because they were like, well, we know you have the money because we've just seen it come in. And so when this Declan Rice deal comes through, teams will be able to say to West Ham, you know, West Ham will be pushing for you know the lowest prices imaginable because that's how transfer business works. But if they come in with a you know a 50 million offer for Polinia and they've just sold Rice for 110 million, Fulham will be like, we know you have more money than that. And there's no way of getting around it. There's no flip on it. And also, obviously, Declan Rice was a homegrown product. So you get all of that money. It's not like, you know, some of it has to be paid off for another transfer fee, et cetera, et cetera. That money comes in. And we've seen this happen before with clubs who receive a big fee. And then people are like, well, 
that's fine, but we know you've received that fee. So therefore we are going to stand strong on the, the fees we want. And I can imagine a situation playing out like this where West Ham have to almost overpay for replacements because people know that that money is already in hand in house. It's something that we've seen before and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it again. And I think, Joe, the motivation that I, I have always thought for Bellini, he signed that contract last year. It was a five-year contract. And I just, you look at Mo, uh, Polini's kind of body language, the, the things he's posted after the season. I know that Fulham fans have, have got the microscope on every single word that he has said, either on Instagram or Twitter, um, since around uh, the last, from the last three games of the season onwards as to whether it's a sign that he's staying or going. But I think what's not in doubt is he likes the club. He enjoys being at the club. It's not a case that I get that he's unhappy. I don't think that necessarily would stop him going if Barcelona came in for him or whatever. Or you know, he he's not so in love with the club that he'd stay here regardless. He he's a professional footballer and wants the best. But I, I don't I just don't get the motivation for him to be clamoring at a move for West Ham. And West Ham fans seem to get annoyed that we seem that we're dismissing. We know that they're a bigger club. We know that they're in the Europa League. We know they've got a bigger fan base, a bigger stadium, etc. But it just doesn't feel right for him to go there. It doesn't feel like enough of a step up, surely. I completely agree. And when you think of the the European factor, Europa League, I mean, he left European football last season to join Fulham, yeah. um, which I think shows that it's not the be all and end all for him. I mean, I'm sure it was quite a hard decision for him to leave Portugal and he did it. Um, I think, like Dean said, the Marco Silva factor is just cannot be understated. Um, it seems like the majority of players that we signed last summer um, named him as a key reason for joining. Um, when you factor in our location in London, he's got a, a young child, a young family. I'm sure that he's keen to stay. And obviously, West Ham is not too far away. Um, but I almost think it's a case of if he's going to move this summer, it needs to be, like you say, a, a big one. It needs to be a key next step in his career. It needs to be his reason for joining the Premier League to enhance his personal career. And whether that's a club higher up the league, a club outside of England, for example, Barcelona, where it's Champions League football or whatever you want to say. Um, I just don't think that the West Ham move makes sense on paper as the next step in terms of being a clear step up. That being said, I... I'm nervous anytime something like this happens because of that Declan Rice money. Um, the fact that West Ham know they have to replace Declan Rice. And in terms of defensive stats this season, it's been well documented. There's nobody better than Polina. He would be able to fill in the defensive work that Declan Rice does. Would he be able to do as much going forward? Maybe not, but they're linked with quite a few other players as well. They're linked with James Ward-Prowse. They're linked with Edson Alvarez, you know, um, Polini has been named as the top target, but he's certainly not the only target. So mm. if we were to stand our ground and fight back in negotiations, hopefully they would look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, West Ham always have so many targets. I mean, that's probably something we should all bear in mind. They go after about 10 players at the same time and then they slowly whittle it down as they figure out how much they're going to cost and whether they're actually interested in joining them. So that's definitely the case. And West Ham have also definitely got their uh, claws into Liga at the moment to try and find some good value there. So hopefully they do find it. Um, look, the other clubs that we could or might be talking about if, if Palina was to leave Fulham, like, I mean, Liverpool was the first one I mentioned. I think I wrote it back in March. Like they were the first club to really check out Palina. Luckily, like that doesn't seem to have progressed. Um, 
Tottenham's been mentioned a few times as a potential one. One that hasn't, I haven't seen written, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I have heard is that, that Chelsea do admire him. I, I mean, that cannot happen. Like <laughs> that, that absolutely cannot happen. Um, <laughs> but it scares me a little bit. If you think right now of like Chelsea and Arsenal, both clearly going after a certain style of defensive midfielder, I'm a little bit worried about the fact that it's not being talked about. Why are they not going for the best one in the league right now? That is a bit strange. Um, do, they, do Chelsea not want someone a bit more dynamic, though, which is why they're going for Caicedo so strongly, seems to be the, the link. I think the, the one thing with Chelsea is they probably want someone younger. Like Chelsea are so, are so into resale values right now and potential that we'll probably be lucky enough that they don't consider that Palinia would hold that. Um, so hopefully from that standpoint, yeah, you, you're probably right in the Caicedo one too. But um, the, don't forget, Chelsea like literally blowing up their midfield here. Like they're getting rid of all of them. So they've, they've got to sign. They can't even just sign one more. They're going to need more than that. So yeah, there, there's that to, to bear in mind. Say it hasn't come to anything yet, but I have heard that they, they do admire him. And Arsenal hasn't been mentioned at all. I mean, I'm, I'm completely speculating there, but... If they do, you know, today there's reports that Thomas Partey can go and find a new job, a new job, new club, same thing. Um, but Palinia, I mean, he couldn't turn that down, could he? Like he, he Palinia couldn't turn down the chance to go and play for Arsenal. And I kind of I'd have to be accepting of that. There have been, if you think back through your time of supporting Fulham, when players have, have made that switch to another club, when you feel that they shouldn't over when you're kind of accepting of it. You know, it's such a fine line of them picking the right club of, of you accepting it and not. Um, I mean, Sean Davis was the ultimate for me when he left Fulham. Um, I just couldn't, couldn't understand why he was going to Tottenham. It was never, it was never a good move for him. I mean, he had bad luck as well, but it, it proved to be the case. It usually is actually Tottenham players, apart from maybe Moussa Dembele, um, I've I've really resented that move. I've really resented Fulham players yeah. going to Tottenham. Moussa um, Dembele, look, he was he was brilliant for them, so fair enough. But that's the that's the the move that I really don't like. Typically, um, Man United, when when people have gone there, like I've kind of been accepting of it. Like it's hard to turn down, isn't it? Any big five six club, if they go there, apart from Chelsea, you know, if Pelin- if Arsenal yeah. went for Polina. I wouldn't begrudge him that move. I, it would just be one of those where you're like, "What an opportunity, mate! You could win trophies, you could win a league if you're in in the in the right Absolutely. time." Like, yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to because another team called Manchester City <laughs> exists, but you'd give it a good go. Like, that's the kind of move where you'd be like yeah. totally accepting as a Fulham fan. But when it's like a West Ham and and Spurs back in the day as well, Spurs is a bit of a different entity now. Where Spurs is a legit. Well, they they tried their best not to be last year top six club, um, but like they are a big club whereas maybe back in the past it didn't didn't quite have that um yeah maybe same, yeah. same yeah. stature speaking of spurs let's move on to toast and adorabio um this is a rumor that has kind of come out of nowhere dean for me that doesn't look like Tosin's going to be staying can't tell mm. whether that's led by the club or whether that's led by Tosin. but now spurs seem to be in the race to to sign him which I find kind of strange because as much as I think Tosin had good moments last year, him to move to a bigger club, get get almost a promotion as you would, if you would, on the back of last season's performances when most Fulham fans I think would be 
accepting but a bit sad if Tossin went. It's 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 an odd rumor. I, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not wholly convinced by the rumor. Um, I've seen it around quite a few places. I have to say, it really got a gathered pace. Um, so I was surprised by that. And as a result of that, I did speak to a really good Spurs contact just before coming on the show, just to make sure I wasn't missing anything here. Um, he hadn't heard it. He said, I've, I've read it. It's not something that I've heard. I don't, th- he basically didn't think there was anything in it. So I don't think that that is an active pursuit right now. I mean, look, if you go back to Tosin last year, there was uncertainty. Mm. Um, there was even uh, some sort of clause in his contract whereby he could have left uh, at some point. Now, I got the impression that then that it was led by Tosin and that he, I think he's really ambitious is what I think it comes down to. I think that he believes he could play at an even higher level than Fulham within the Premier League. Um, so, well, fair play to him. If he thinks he can elevate himself, then good luck to him. But um, nobody bought him last year. And if he's going to push now, I'm not sure what sort of place he's going to end up. I mean, if you think about Tottenham, I mean, they're, they're being linked with like Mark Gay here from Crystal Palace, players like that, who I'd say better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're better. And they've got a couple of other players they're looking at from Serie A and stuff. Like, I just think Tottenham... Um, are probably looking a bit higher um, to shop from. So I'm not too concerned about this. And obviously he's only got a year left on his contract, hasn't he? I wouldn't be that upset if he leaves. I don't, I don't want him to leave, but like you say, it wouldn't be ideal because I think for the squad, Tosin's a really nice player to have to call upon. And who knows next season with like Tim Ream, like we've just got an extraordinary season out of him. Like I'm not sure what the future of our, of our defense actually looks like. Yeah, Jack, it, it, I think sometimes players like Tosin are a reason why Marco Silva's two strong players in every position policy sometimes doesn't always work or it rubs players up the wrong way because I think, he doesn't. I don't think Tosin liked the fact that he really had to fight for that centre-back spot last year. He got a good run towards the end of the season in the end. He managed to actually inch himself past Issa Diop. But yeah, I, I don't know. Tosin's been an uneasy fit for, for a while. Someone that just hasn't felt 100% content from, from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, and, and look, I think that Marcus Silva's policy there too in each position is is good because if you know Fulham can claw ourselves back into European you know places or look at that conference league spot or win the FA Cup whatever it is um you know that that's the kind of thing you really need to be able to actually sustain that and not go through what West Ham went through this season which was you know trying to sustain a European run and also you know getting pulled into a relegation scrap so I think it's a relatively sensible policy but it does have problems you know, it's, it's it's these are issues that you don't, and we we've talked about it. I think mostly probably in terms of the striker debate. But you know, how do you get someone who's good enough to back up Alexander Mitrovic, who's happy to sit on the bench and back up Alexander Mitrovic every week? But you know, these are the eternal questions that kind of go with squad rotation and and, and trying to deal with it. So yes, it has its its positives and its negatives. It's a really strange one, Tosin, because I think he has all the tools to be exceptional. I just don't think we've seen that really come to fruition yet. And and look, uh, I can understand that if he thinks that, you know, reg- more regular minutes, not having to necessarily scrap for his spot every week is going to improve him as a player. I, I can understand the concept behind that. Um, 
equally, you know, there are still mistakes in his game. I don't think that, I don't think, I'm sure he would be the first to say that he hasn't got to, you know, the perfect level that maybe he thought he was going to be as, as a youth player, where he looked like, you know, the next big thing coming through the Manchester City Academy. But, you know, he's, he's schooled in the City Academy, as we say. He He's tall, he's rangy, he's dynamic, like, range of passing I really like. We saw those diagonals last year that kept letting, letting Harry Wilson away, etc. He, he's got all the ability to go on and, and, and be, I think, a, a European standard centre-back. But I don't think we've seen it all put together yet for a consistent period. And that's quite a strange thing to you know do because you know someone's then gambling on potential. But the fact is that the team's interested in him. Tottenham, Monaco, right, sure, both of them actually out of European places this year and not going to be competing. But we'll be assuming they'll be back in European contention next year. And and I wonder what if if, if that's they're going to kind of gamble on that ability as opposed to the performances that we've seen. Joe, do, Joe, where would you predict Tosin to end up um, come um, September first? I mean, that prediction might well be. I actually still predict him to be at, at Fulham. Tosin's the one I could see abroad. Like he, I, I mean, I've I've watched a few of his uh, videos um, that he does on, on YouTube. He seems like a really smart guy. That probably a bit like Joe Bryan, I think, would actually kind of thrive at a Monaco. I think he'd have a really nice time. I think he'd he'd make the best of it. So so yeah, where where do you think he's going to land? And also, what kind of money would he be going for? Because we we signed him famously on a, on an absolute snip, but he's only got one year left of his contract. So I don't think this is going to be an absolute payday for Fulham. Yeah, and I don't know if I could put a name on it. I definitely think abroad, um, partly because I don't see an obvious place for him at any Premier League side in terms of someone that is actually going to bid enough for us to be interested. You know, if, even if he went somewhere like a Tottenham, uh, you would assume that he wouldn't be a definite starter going into that squad as he wasn't even a definite starter at Fulham last season. And he had a good run. Um, remember, he came in at Leicester away, performed really well. And obviously... His game time was helped by Tim Ream's injury, but until then it was just a bit of a battle between him, Diop and Ream for whoever was the starting pair. Um, I think he'll go abroad. I think that for a fee, we're not in the best bargaining position because he's only got one year left after we triggered that clause um, to extend by a year. So I think we have to sell because I think it's at this point quite obvious that he's not going to re-sign. Um, I would say that if we got 15 million, we've done quite well mm. considering the amount of time that he's got left on his contract. I could see us at the end of the window if we're getting a little bit desperate and trying to recoup something, which would still be a profit, um, that it could go down towards 10. But I would really hope that we could get as much as possible because, you know, the, the deal we got him on, Sammy, as you said, was great. And it is unfortunate that he seems to view Fulham partly understandable as a bit of a stepping stone, whereas he left Man City as a youngster. He's come back after Blackburn to the Premier League and he wants to reassert himself further up the table, further up into Europe. Um, He could hopefully do that at Fulham, but I feel like he doesn't see it that way. So I can see him leaving uh, the country altogether and I can see it for about 15 million. But to name a club, not a clue course it's weird when it's like he's using fulham as a stepping stone which i can totally kind of be on board with but like where is this stepping stone this stepping stone has got like the worst foundations like i mean it's like it's like partially underwater like you just haven't yeah. like you know it's one thing if you've like really really excelled here and like you're off to the next thing but i was like if you haven't quite proven it at fulham yeah. like what's what's next i know well, this is what i wondered last summer when 
because you know a couple of agents or intermediaries and stuff I'd speak to and they would say oh it seems like Tosin really wants to get out of there like where do you think he could go and I was like what do you mean he really wants to get out of here he's barely in the team like Mm. I'm not even sure he definitely starts like why is he so desperate to get out um yeah it's straight as I say it must just come down to personal belief um and ambition um you've know, you got to give him credit for that. He obviously feels that he can play at a high level. And as Jack says earlier on about the academy system that he's come through, I mean, when you've been growing up in a, in a way like that, you, you obviously feel like that you're capable of anything. Mm. I think he should be open-minded to moving abroad. I mean, if he wants to leave Fulham, then that does seem the most you know likely spot in terms of the fee. Um, I saw this weekend that Nathan Teller... Uh, He's talked about joining Burnley from Southampton. He's being talked about £15 million. I think he's got one year of his contract left too. So, yeah, I'd say uh, if they're looking for £15 million for, for Teller, then we should be trying to get £15 million for Tosin and, and we'll take bids from there. Yeah. Um, Dean, um, Manor Solomon, um, uh, another ma- another summer of Manor Solomon soccer. I can't take it. Um, yeah. will, he, will he still sign for Fulham? Um, again, Spurs have been mentioned. Um, I mean, Solomon at this point, it feels like could go to literally any club in Europe. He's kind of got that freedom. FIFA have clarified the rules that he can go on a free for, from Shakhtar. So yeah, I think Fulham are just are one of a number of clubs in the queue. We've got the advantage that he was here last year but we don't have much else over him other than that and after another mm. kind of mixed season for us similar to Tossin it's it's not 100% that Fulham would be like going all out to keep him either or certainly not paying over the odds or in terms of his wages and signing on fee that he would no doubt want yeah I think that's what it comes down to isn't it I mean you don't want to be overpaying him uh, he's, he knows what the culture is of the club he knows that the club's to buy him for a difficult time in his career too with the injury and got him back um, on the pitch and you know the form that he was shown was it around February time was was obviously ridiculous um, and it's a, a great platform for him that has always been the case um, obviously like Shakhtar will be extremely frustrated by the way that all of this is playing out Um for them, I mean, they've been really hard done by, to be honest. I mean, when he originally was coming to Fulham, the negotiations around the transfer fee, they were just haggling, really, um, trying to get everything they felt the player was worth because they were keen to do it. And obviously, the the money side of things hasn't worked out very well for Shakhtar. Um, the Tottenham link, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they're, they're going through, just been through a massive period of upheaval behind the scenes, trying to find a new manager, looking for a new sporting director. They have targets that they're working on none of them that I've been made aware of have been Mana Solomon throughout that time um the link has come from somewhere obviously like I, as much as people like to believe that journalists sit down and make up transfer stories it's extremely hard to do mm-hmm. because uh you'll slip up somewhere along the way and you'll get found out uh pretty quickly but basically over the, over the course of one summer transfer window you should be found out if you've been constantly making up transfer rumors so Pretty much none of it should come true. Uh, my info was always that Fulham were confident he would be back for season two. Um, but I have to admit, like I was writing that two or three months ago now, and th- there's nothing there. And that that's what makes me wonder a little bit. I really like him as a player, and I think that he offers a lot. Um, I still think he's replaceable. It's not like I think we can't live without Mana Solomon. But I do kind of like the impact that he brings into this team and the option, especially against those mid to lower clubs, um, 
to just cause chaos. I know that like his his trick is going to be closed down more frequently, but he'll still be able to do it. Like that, he's he's so talented and he's like got yeah. such a an awareness of where the space is that I, I really trust him to be able to pull off key moments in games, especially late on. So I do actually hope he stays. But it's not the end of the world if he doesn't. And it just sounds like it's quite a complicated situation. He's having to keep his options open on. Yeah, Joe, the, the rumours on Solomon have died down. It was about two or three weeks ago these Spurs links um, came out. I think it's massively short-termist to think that we don't need Manor Solomon. Like, Willian has been great. Willian is 35. And also, I think Manor Solomon needed a period of adaptation. He had an injury. And I think he had a probably a difficult time adjusting to how good February was. And then suddenly like everyone expected that to continue for the rest of the season. His minutes were limited. I think if we kept Solomon, he would be a brilliant addition for us next year. And we would see a lot more of him more regularly because I think he'd have had that year to kind of find his feet in England. And also probably if he was able to sign somewhere for three or four years on a contract that a bit of a bit of certainty in his life, which he's definitely lacked, um, might also help him just relax and, and settle in a bit. Yeah, and you can see him just going somewhere else and exploding, can't you, doing that sort of form that we saw in February and March. Um, I, I definitely think that we should do all we can to sign him. Um, I think that one factor that we haven't taken into account is potentially... Marco Silva's use of him last season mm. and whether there was anything there in terms of perhaps Marco Silva wasn't currently as impressed with him as he thought he was or didn't trust him as much as some of the other players in the squad. And by that, I just mean there were times and especially when uh, Willian was out injured, uh, even in that run of form where Solomon was scoring quite a few. And this may just purely be a match fitness thing after coming back from injury that I'm looking into too much. Um, there was a reluctance to start him uh, and there was a reluctance to give him a, basically a satisfactory amount of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, of course, yeah, match fitness. But also when you see players like Wilson coming back from injury and Dan James, um, who was a peripheral figure last season, getting minutes at the back end of last season, probably more regularly than, than Solomon was, you have to wonder what's going on there. Um, and I do think that Solomon is a player where like Dean said, he has a moment of magic that a lot of teams lower in the Premier League, they don't have many players with that sparkle that can just create something out of nothing. Um, and on far lesser scale, but it really reminded me of um, Payet a bit at West Ham, where he would just, he, he was just, the, the technical ceiling, uh, the technical base of the team, sorry, was raised by him being in that team and coming off the bench, rather than, a, with no disrespect to them, a Cabano, who's been a fantastic player and someone we've obviously offered a contract to. Um, so I'd be really keen to see Solomon stay in addition to Willian. I think that Willian, who I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, um, has been offered a deal that almost might play against us in terms of the left wing spot is almost sorted. Um, or at least there's very fierce competition there for Solomon. Is he going to look somewhere else where he could start every game? No doubt about it, because he has got the quality um, so that's an interesting one to think about. But um, I think that we'll do all we can. And it's just whether the player decides to decides to come. Yeah. I think there's something interesting, Sammy, just in terms of the way that Marco Silva likes his fullbacks to fly forward, especially Anthony Robinson on that side. And a lot of the time it's Willian 
you know, stepping back and actually using the kind of pace of the game, slowing it down a little bit in order to allow the players around him to flourish. Solomon's a bit more dynamic. And I, I don't necessarily mean that as, as like a one is better than the other. But when Solomon gets the ball, he wants to run at his fullback. He wants to cut inside. He wants to make things happen in a way that Willian often just reads the game slightly differently. And I think it's this kind of element of... <laughs> Marcus Silva's left winger is almost, especially with Harry Wilson going further on and, and sort of going over the top a little bit more, and especially with Pereira doing the same from 10. His left winger has often been someone who's able to get their foot on the ball a little bit and just slow things down and move things around. And it's, it's almost like Willian is a 10 playing wide. And I wonder if Fulham will look to a kind of similar player if Solomon doesn't sign. Now, obviously, it's nice to have the dynamics. It's nice to have the change of uh, pace. You can switch a game up. You can make things happen. Um, but I wonder if, you know, Fulham look to someone who plays on the left, who's a little bit more of a technician. And that's not to downplay Solomon's technical ability, because as Joe says, it's, you know, on the ball, he's he's incredibly good ball manipulator. He shifts the ball around really nicely, but he doesn't slow the pace of the game down and, and open it out for everybody else. He likes to get at his fullback and, you know, pick up the pace in the final third. And I wonder if just... Fulham are thinking about options in that regard. And, you know, someone like Jesper Carlson at RZ, who I've been touting to Fulham forever, it feels like, is, is kind of like a Willian clone in some ways, in that he is a 10 playing wide. He's just a little bit more, you know, sitting his foot on the ball, can shift a defender and move if he needs to, but actually his best techniques and best kind of attributes tend to be linking up and bringing others into play. And I just wonder if Fulham are looking at that and thinking, if Solomon starts every game, that completely and utterly shifts the dynamic of this team. Now, whether that's better or for worse is one thing. But as Joe says, the fact that he wasn't starting games towards the end of the season, I wonder if there's something to do with this. I wonder if there's a, there's a play here in that, you know, he Marcus Silva wants a player like Solomon to be able to come off the bench and impact games when it's more stretched because it suits his ability in the Premier League a little bit more. And whether that is something that Solomon is willing to come to terms with or change his game to adapt to in order to actually push for a starting spot. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and, and Dean, just quickly on Willian. I mean, uh, Fulham have offered him a new contract. That's confirmed. It was on the club's uh, website. Is there any more that you've heard on 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 the likeliness of that? One thing I've I found interesting about Willian, uh, I've chatted to a, a couple of uh, Chelsea, inverted commas, mates uh, that I have. And, um, you know, they all saying that Willian would get an R team this year. I think a lot of people have looked at Willian and been, oh, we'd have, we could do a bit of Willian. There's no, there's no, no danger of Willian not signing, is there? Hope not. I mean, at the moment, with all the Saudi money on offer, um, you never know. Um, and I, while I don't feel like that would be the type of ambition that, that Willian would necessarily have, I mean, the money on offer is like life changing, even for millionaires. So like if anyone's head is turned, then fair enough, because it is absolutely ludicrous the amount of cash that they're, they're throwing around at the moment. I mean, I did check in with someone uh, who has good relations with Willian Um he said he spoke to him not too long ago and he had pretty good intentions to stay with Fulham at that point. Um, and obviously, like like you say, that there is an offer on the table for him to stay, which is a one-year deal. I do believe that there is a second-year option within that that could be triggered. Um, so it sounds to me like the Fulham do have a chance to keep him here. He really enjoyed last season. I know that much. He's very comfortable in London, obviously. He spent a lot big part of his life here like Chelsea Arsenal now Fulham like really really loves the capital I th I'll be honest I think I think the issue might be that he wants two years 
that's that's my reading of the situation. Okay. And if Fulham aren't offering him two years, then obviously I totally understand that. Now, Willian turns 35 in August. Um, the style of play that he is, can you envisage that at 37, going towards 37, he could still do that? I was thinking back, like, okay, so like, who are the oldest Fulham players we've ever seen? Like, because he would have to, he would have to be up there. I mean, this season in the team, obviously, he had Tim Ream at 35, which, to be fair, has just had like pretty much the season of his life. So. It's not inconceivable that, I mean, Willian's just had one of the seasons of his life. Like, that's been great. Maybe Willian can do that for another year. Fine. But other players that you've seen do it older than that, Scott Parker, if you can count that he could still do it, was 36 when he was still Mm. playing uh, for Fulham. And the oldest player I can actually remember, like, in our times as an outfield player was Georgios Karagounis, who was 37 when he was turning out. Um, Not sure there are that many comparisons between these two players and their style of play, but um, Karagounis did turn out for Fulham at the age of 37. So, yeah, it's not impossible. I mean, Willian himself, I think, believes absolutely that the way that he's kept his himself in good condition he's, he's got another two or three years in the game I don't think he's thinking about retiring anytime soon so there's that to contemplate but I totally understand if that is the case that that Willian wants two years then I could understand why Fulham would hesitate a little bit over that I mean there's there's clubs out there that don't offer two-year deals over 30 years old let alone at 35 years old yeah well I, I feel like personally I would I don't know. It's easy to just be like, oh, I'll just go for it when it's just not do when, it. when it's not your Even money. Or whatever. Just, just, you know, let him have a nice time or whatever. But yeah, I can understand why Fulham, someone at their uh, It's a long spot. time, isn't it? Like two years is, is quite a long time at this stage of your career. So like yeah. I'd have reasonable confidence, like for the start of next season. Absolutely. I'd want Willian to still be part of it. But in 18 months time, will I still feel like this about Willian? He just feels like someone that's good to have around the training ground, just in Ronda, doing rondos and stuff like that. It just, it feels like, that's you d- fair. like you talk about, you hear Tom Kearney talk about him. He's just like, his touch is just ridiculous. Just almost doing flicks and tricks and just keeping Tom Kearney entertained. Just do like Willian's soccer school every Tuesday down yeah. at Mossberg Park. <laughs> you probably make a bit of money back as well. Just like a little kids club or whatever. It's not gonna. It's not gonna match the Saudi no. funds, though, is it? Like, you might get an extra tenner a week for looking yeah, after Al that. Yeah, Al Nasser have probably got slightly deeper pockets, haven't they? Uh, right. We'll take a break there. Afterwards, we'll look at some incoming transfers. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. 
No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Part two of the brand new Fulhamish Transfer Show. I'm joined by Jack Collins, Joe Sansom and Dean Jones. We've all got a J in our name uh, on the uh, on the panel today. Not intentional. So let's look at a few incoming <laughs> transfers. And Joe, it has been super quiet. Um, there have been lots of names and rumours as ever. There's, there's tons of column inches, but not a lot with any seeming amount of confidence. Uh, I thought the Damari Gray one was was particularly interesting. That one was actually reported by Sky Sports, which seems to be a level of something uh, above other outlets, whatever. Um, it just looked maybe like Fulham, Fulham had phoned Everton up and said how much if we were interested, not much more than that. But an interesting pedigree of player for Fulham to be going for. And Everton obviously at sixes and sevens financially is a and probably just sniffing around a bit. Yeah, and an interesting one because I remember being linked with Gray years ago when he was at Birmingham. Um, so there's a long-standing interest there. Um, we've been linked to quite a few wingers, um, Vimmer as well, Cliver, Roma. So there's clearly an appetite, or at least <laughs> someone's trying to make it look like there's an appetite. Um, but when you think about the uncertainty about Willian and Solomon, factor in the fact that uh, Dan James is returning from his loan and looks like that's not going to be revisited again as it stands. You can completely see why. Um, where would Gray fit into this team? Not quite sure. And I'm not hugely into the fact that we would be signing someone that would likely start as depth. Um, saw a great point on Twitter about the way you progress a squad once you've stayed up is essentially sign players that replace those that are currently starting the ones that are starting can go to the bench and essentially you're just raising the level of the team. And I think that was the idea with, to use an example, with Lukic uh, in January. And the intention was to eventually, I guess, replace Harrison Reed's role. Um, that hasn't happened quite yet. It might still happen. Obviously, he's still settling in. But it's one of those things where um, Damari Gray, I'm not sure who he replaces in this team. I'm not sure if he takes us to that next level. Um, I still think he's a good player. I still think he's a decent option. And I'm sure we'll do a decent job. Um, it's not one that gets me off my seat, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Another one that doesn't quite get me off my seat, um, Jack, it, just Justin Clivert, back again. Um, but maybe you can tell me why. we. I mean, we so, we were so close to signing him last summer and it seems like the you know he's just coming around again. But you never know. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really tricky season for Valencia, right? Um, and he's been pretty okay is probably how i would i would kind of term it he's he's not set the world on fire but in a valencia side that have really struggled he's at least had you know a fair bit of consistency i think i think he got sort of eight goals in all comps um and and kind of was was one of the brighter sparks in quite a dull valencia season um now obviously we wouldn't be signing him from valencia so like it's it's slightly different but if I was looking at someone in that squad that I would be looking at bringing in, I really like Andre Almeida. I think he has all the all the you know capabilities to be excellent. He's 23 years old. He's kind of shifted through the gears a little bit. And Valencia, another one in financial difficulties. Um, so I, I think that if you know if this is Fulham's strategy, we're going to pick on teams who are in a financially worse position than us for you know at least some of the 
signings we look at this window, there is definitely smart moves to be made. I, I have no problem with Cliver. He's played a lot as a number nine this season and not just because he wore it. He, you know, it was part of a Valencia squad that didn't really have you know, a, a focal point number nine for, for long periods of the season. They signed Cavani in the summer. He's been injured for a lot of it. He's he's kind of struggled for minutes. And in, in kind of order to combat that, they've played a lot of they've played a lot of players up front who aren't necessarily natural nine. So Clivert's played up there and and Samuel Lino as well at times. So when you kind of look at his pedigree, I have no problem with the idea of signing Justin Cliver. He's clearly someone who hasn't fitted at Mourinho's Roma, and that's kind of fine because they don't really play with wingers. And I think that there is a player there. Um, but it, it, as, as we said last summer, it still comes with significant risk because Cliver is you know, a, a player who had such potential at a young age and hasn't quite exploded into his full career in the way that maybe many of us expected him to after that kind of dream start at Ajax. He hasn't gone on to to kick on hugely. But I think, you know, we, as we were talking about with Tosin earlier, the technical ability, the, you know, the potential is all still there. We just need to find him in the right system to realise that. And to be honest, if anyone could do that, uh, I trust Marco Silva to kind of get the best out of these players. So I, I think that if... If there's an option to make that happen, it, I wouldn't be upset by it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Dean, when it comes to incomings, I, I know you said before the podcast that it's fairly quiet on, on, on your end as well. What are the ones that have caught your eye, if any? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't get really get excited about Fulham in June. Um, think <laughs> back to... I think, did we make 11 signings last summer? I think it was something like that. Um, yeah. The first one was on July the 4th last year and it still took another couple of weeks before the next one after that. Yeah, it was a good one. It was Palina, wasn't it? So that yeah. was, um, that was, it was a nice one to set the tone of things. And I think Pereira, was it Pereira next, I imagine? Probably Andreas um, would, would have been one of the next ones to come in. But then there was still a lot that came in late. It was like a late flurry. Um, and that does happen quite frequently with Fulham. They, they do tend to leave things late. There's always a bit of transfer deadline day business to be had. Um, I think what we should probably account for is the fact that Fulham have not had successive seasons in the top flight for a long time. Mm. And so for a, a lot of our fluctuating years, like from the last like five or six, you've had to literally overhaul squads season by season, depending on what level you're playing at. So, um, yeah, 27, 18, you're in the champ, then Prem, then champ, then Prem, then champ, then Prem. Literally, that's been the pattern of our play for years now. And you have to go back to 2013, isn't it? Since we stayed in the Premier League and were able to just mm. have a stable Premier League squad. And wasn't that stable? We got relegated. But um, that's a long time. You're talking like now 10 years since Fulham had a season whereby they didn't need a complete overhaul to at the top level. So with that in mind shouldn't be need to go through 11 signings for this summer like I like what Joe talks about there in, in terms of you have the you have that level of your squad now and you need to raise it and every time you need to just raise it and raise it so that's not necessarily just like replacing Joe Bryan that's finding a left back that can potentially replace Anthony Robinson that's finding somebody I just that's what you've got to be striving for at this stage and not easy to do obviously but if you want to remain in this division then you have to. You can't sit and rest on, on what you've got at your disposal because if you start to suffer injuries, then you're suddenly calling on players that are just nowhere near ready to go into that team. And that'd probably be 
our biggest concern. I think, like, I still think we'll sign like five players. Like I, I, I wouldn't have many doubts about that. I think that given the players that have already gone out, given the spec that there are a couple of gaps that obviously need to be filled. And then that will change depending on which players we actually agree to sell and which of these players we just spoke about that we actually end up managing to keep hold of and, and whether there's it's upwards of that five or not. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll see. Once we get to that July date when we sign Palinia, maybe I'll start getting excited. About yeah. Um, Jack, one player that does seem to be fairly um, hotly tipped to arrive is uh, Igor from Fiorentina. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Igor did not have uh, his finest moment in the Europa no. League Conference final. He came on as a late sub. Um, I remember ne- I remember coming on because he wears the number 98, which instantly just made my eye, oh, 98, hey? And then he um, very much just uh, allowed that West Ham winner uh, to happen. So... However, he does look like a good caliber of centre-back, a left-footed centre-back. Yep. So 25 years old, um, Fiorentina signed him from Spal for 6 million euros a couple of years ago, um, although it seems pretty obvious that he's going to leave Fiorentina. Um, the coach did a pretty scathing attack on him after the final, which seemed a little bit harsh. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it looks like he's he's on his way somewhere. Um, and it, and that, it seems like a sensible fit. And uh, we've got history of signing players that have uh, messed up in major continental finals because that's what Andreas Pereira did. And it turned out all right for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember that Igor signed from Spal, as you say, but he came through the Red Bull system. So he's he's another one off that, you know, which is a pretty productive pipeline uh, in terms of players going on and kicking on and making it at, at the top level. So he signed, I think, for Fiorentina in, in 2020. And it was a bit sort of, oh, I think the collective kind of fan base from, from Fiorentina were a bit underwhelmed by the signing, considering it was from Spal, who haven't been a, you know, a heartbeat of, of excellence in Italy for, for quite some time. Um, but he is versatile. He played on the left of a back three in those first seasons for Fiorentina. And then when Italiano came in, there was a bit of a question mark over where he played because he had done shifts in his kind of youth career at defensive midfield and at fullback. But I think that he established himself quite quickly into that side. And this year hasn't been great for him this past season. But the season before, he was really, really good. Really impressive when Fiorentina finished seventh, got that Conference League spot. Um, in that kind of first Italiano season where everything turned around for Fiorentina, Igor became a really impressive part of of, of the side. And for a while, he, he kept... Martinez Cuarta out of the side, who's obviously someone that played in the World Cup for Argentina as they won it. So that's a, that's a, a pretty impressive thing. He's played alongside Nikola Milenkovic, who's been linked to Tottenham and, and, and Champions League clubs as well. Um, so he, this is a kind of base on which the, the, the Fiorentina dream was built last year. He is a little bit rash, right? And, and we saw that in the, in the Conference League final. But he's a really, really impressive physical specimen. He's a big, big footballer. Um, and he is quite a nice player on the ball. The issue I have with him is that a lot of the time the ball goes over the top of him. He's not great at judging those sort of flicks over the top of a centre-back, um, but he's a brilliant passer. Um, he carries the ball out really well from the back as well. Um, and he does 
he's like a proactive defender, if that makes sense. He's happy to step out of the line. He's happy to make those, you know, tackles in midfield. He's happy to step up onto a onto a, a forward and, and and win the ball back quite aggressively. So I think there's plenty to like about this. Um, the fact that he didn't cost very much when Fiorentina signed him. I think it was three million that rose to the six, um, as you as you said earlier, and then. You know, so you're imagining you're not going to necessarily have to pay anywhere above 10 million euros to to kind of bring him in at that kind of at that kind of price. I think it's quite a good gamble. Um, yes, he's not perfect, but in terms of what he brings to a side, in terms of you know the ability to help Fulham build from the back, which has been such a key part of this season, I, I think he feels like a relatively nice fit. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and that will do for the transfer show today. Uh, the very first one, I've really enjoyed it. I have um, I feel like I've picked up and learned loads, which is uh, super exciting. So I can't wait to be chatting uh, with all three of you and also Jack Kelly and other uh, great guests that we'll uh, find over the summer uh, to come on and chat all things transfers. I'm really excited for it to hot up as well for us to actually yeah. have. It was like... a good show without anything even having happened. So that's good, isn't it? That's a good start. Yeah, exactly. God, God knows how long it will be when there's actually Actually, tons of transfers to uh, to discuss come the end of August. We'll be uh, we'll be swimming in rumours. But yeah, Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Sammy. A real pleasure. Joe Sanson, thank you. Cheers, Sammy. Really enjoyed it. And Dean, thank you. Cheers, mate. Uh, Fulhamish will be back later on in the week with another inaugural show, uh, Fulham Folklore, which we're excited to launch as well. So hopefully you enjoy that. And if you haven't caught it already, this will catch on. Uh, The Top 15 show is out last week and it was very, very fun to record indeed. So do have a listen to that. But have a lovely week. Come on, you whites. You whites.